Well, aloha, church. <laughs> I, uh, I'll have to be honest with you. The, the night that Levi showed up at my house and said, Greg, uh, would you like to speak at church? And uh, I talked to my wife about it, and it had been about three and a half years since I'd been behind the pulpit. And I told her, I said, I'm really rusty. And she said, ah, it'll be fine. You'll, you'll be fine. So, you know, the old saying, it's like riding a bike. Well, I ain't rid a bike in 45 years, so if that tells you anything. <laughs> All right. Uh, for any of the note takers out there, a church on the move. Write down a few things about what does that mean to you? It might be a sentence. It might be a couple of words. Just write it down now, and we'll, uh, we'll check at the end and see how well you did. Uh, today, what we're going to do, we're going to look at some of the basics on how to become the church that God desires. We're going to start by looking at our main scripture this morning. It's Acts 2.42, if you want to turn to that. And I can tell you up front, I told John this coming across the parking lot. I'm a real simple guy, and I'll give you a simple message, but I want you to understand this is a very important message that we're going to talk about this morning. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. The name Acts implies action, movement, transformation, and change. Some call this the Acts of the Apostle. I call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's here where we read the birth of the church. It's here we see the separation from temple to the church. It's here we see many signs and wonders and boldness beyond measure because God chose to act and pour his spirit upon Jew, Gentile, Slave and free, man and woman, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, young and old. We see a movement that began over 2,000 years ago, and it still continues to this day. I need to let you know that I did some special research for this message this week. And I scoured the Bible from front to back, from top to bottom. And I want to share my results with you. There's nowhere in the Bible where I found the words Baptist Church, Mennonite Church, Lutheran Church, Catholic Church, Methodist Church, and the thousands of other different denominations there are. What I did find was, it's called Christ Church. It doesn't belong to any denomination. It belongs to Christ. So in my mind, this church here is Christ Church at Sycamore Grove. We're stewards of the church, and it's our responsibility to nurture this church by helping those who don't know Jesus to help them attain an intimate relationship with our Redeemer. So we're going to talk about some truths that we can glean about a church that's on the move or a church that's healthy. 
A church that is healthy and on the move is utterly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus died, after his resurrection, and before his ascension, he clearly told his disciples to wait on the gift, the Holy Spirit. Listen to Jesus' words literally hours before his violent death. John 16, verses 7 to 13. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin. Because people do not believe in me about righteousness because I am going to the father where you can see me no longer and about judgment because of the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you more than you can bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. And before his ascension, Jesus says to his disciples in Acts 1, verses 4 to 5. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan, in his book, The Forgotten God, puts it this way. If I were Satan and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get Christ's followers to ignore the Holy Spirit. The degree to which this happened is directly connected to the dissatisfaction we feel with And in the church, we understand something very important is missing. I believe that this something is actually a missing someone, namely the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, people operate in their own strengths and they only accomplish human sized results. He goes on to say, the Holy Spirit is vital to our situation today. Of course, he's always vital, but perhaps especially now. After all, if the Holy Spirit moves, nothing can stop him. If he doesn't move, we won't produce any genuine fruit at all. No matter how much effort or money we expend, we will not produce fruit. The church becomes irrelevant when it becomes a purely human creation. We are not all we were made to be when everything in our lives and our churches can be explained apart from the work and the presence of the Spirit of God. Not only must be we dependent upon the Holy Spirit in everything, a second truth is that we must expect to see life change where ordinary people do extraordinary things when filled with the Spirit of God. In Acts 2.42, in a brief sentence, it gives us a picture of a church on the move, a church made up of extraordinary people filled by the Holy Spirit who leaned on four different practices. 
First, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, or as we would put it, committed to the word of God. In this time, there wasn't any written record. There wasn't a Bible. So their doctrine was the teachings of Jesus, the miracles they experienced, and things that they heard Jesus share. The Holy Spirit worked through them to keep the new church grounded in Jesus. For you and I, we have the advantage of having this. We have everything written in this book for us that we can refer to. And it's ultra important, just as they stayed grounded in Jesus, we must stay grounded in the Bible. For those that were in the Sunday school class, you're going to hear some stuff that we repeated, repeated that we talked about this morning. There was a preacher that was standing on the corner preaching to anybody that would listen. He'd been there for a while, and next thing you know, this guy and the preacher knew that the guy had been homeless for a long time. Come walking up to him, and the preacher says, can I help you? And he said, I think you can. So the preacher said, well, can I tell you about Jesus? The man said, no, I don't want to know about Jesus. He said, well, can I pray for you? The man said, no, I don't want you to pray for me. He said, well, what can I do for you then? He said, I want your Bible. And he said, well, why do you want my Bible if you don't want to know about Jesus? And the guy said, well, I looked at how thin the pages were, and I can use those to roll cigarettes. So the preacher stood there and kind of looked at him for a minute, and he said, Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll give you my Bible under one condition. Every page that you smoke, you got to read it. So the guy agreed to it. He gave him the Bible. They passed. They separated. The guy, the preacher said, I'll never see that guy again. So the preacher was in that same corner about four months later. This guy walks up in a three-piece suit. The guy says, do you know who I am? And he said, no, I've never seen you before. He said, oh, yeah, you have. He said, about four months ago, I asked for your Bible and you gave it to me. The preacher said, well, what happened? Tell me what happened. He said, well, I smoked Matthew. I smoked Mark. I smoked Luke, and then John smoked me. (laughs) So we think about the Bible. We should never underestimate the power of the Word of God and what effect it can have in somebody's life. Something simple as giving a person a Bible, and they don't even want to use it for what it's intended for, but you never know what the results might be, you know. For me, I I put a note in here because he talked about John. Well, the Gospel of John is my favorite. Uh, And my favorite verse in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only forgotten son, begotten son, that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So when we talk about the Bible... I put a big note in bold letters, always stay grounded in the Bible.
Second thing, they were committed to fellowship. Now, I can tell you from, I'm a preacher's kid. I grew up in the church, so I understand all that. But churches are real good at fellowship meals and men's breakfast and all that kind of stuff. But what, what is real fellowship? Paul, in Acts 20, shows a beautiful example of Christian fellowship. He had cared for the church at Ephesus, and he had summoned the elders of the church because he was leaving, and he didn't think he'd ever get to see them again. But Paul, he cared for them, he loved them, he cried for them, they prayed together, they comforted one another. Like Paul, it's our responsibility to build strong relationships within our church. It's just not about coming to church and listening to a sermon. You need to know, you know, is this person having problems? That's what it's really all about when it comes to fellowship. Knowing what's going on with your fellow Christians, your fellow family members, because that's what we are. We're all in one family. And that's what it's all about. So if you come to church just to listen to a sermon or sing some songs, I mean, that's great fellowship. But there's so much more to church than just Sunday morning. And I can tell you, a lot of you I don't know very well. Some of you I do. We know the Rushleys pretty well. They've been, they, they, but we just moved to Raymore. We used to be neighbors with them. I gotta tell this story, but, uh, I can tell you, <laughs> it's not a bad story, Ellie. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but I can tell you that, uh, they're the best neighbors that we've ever had, and we love them like family. So I just had to say that. I don't want to embarrass you there, Levi. <laughs> but anyway, part of the, the process of learning how to fellowship is you've got to be able to give yourself up. You've got to be willing to go to that person or you've got to be willing to be that person that's having problems and go to someone else within the church and say, you know, hey, I'm having some problems. I need I need some help. You know, and we re- too many times we rely on elders, the pastors to take care of everything. Well, that's not the job of the elders and the pastors. We're all members of this body and it's all of our responsibility to take care of each other. And, you know, there's. You know, like Levi may want to talk to certain people. John may want to talk to somebody else. That's just the way it is in a a family, you know. But anyway, fellowship. Remember, it's more than just church. It's more than just singing. It's being cohesive as a family and working with each other. Third, they committed to breaking bread. Not just going through the motions. But they were serious about remembering Jesus, remembering the agony of the cross, and also remembering the power of the resurrection. A common misconception is the first believers were Jews, and people think that they just rejected their religion. That's not the case. These believers saw the message, believed the message that Jesus was actually the Messiah, So there was a conflict between them and the other 
Jewish people. So where did they meet? They met in homes. They had to. Uh, that's the only place they could meet to have communion, have prayer, and teach about Christ. And by the end of the first century, many of these Jewish believers were excommunicated from the synagogues. And the final thing that they committed to was prayer. They realized the only way extraordinary things happen is when we pray. Where we let go and we let God have complete control of everything. In his book, Too Busy Not to Pray, Bill Hybels gives us an easy way to understand prayer. If the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing's wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right, the timing's right, and you are right, God says go. Your prayer will always be answered, but be ready that it may not be the answer that you want. It may be no, it may be slow, it may be grow, or it may be go. There's a misconception that prayer is simply getting God to give you what you want. That's simply not true. Prayer is the process by which God changes us. Prayer is surrender. Surrender to the will of God and cooperation with that will. If I have a hook on a boat and I throw it to the land and hook the land, am I going to pull the land to me or am I going to pull my boat to the land? Prayer is not pulling God to my will but the aligning of my will to the will of God. This morning, do you want to be a church that moves? Then it starts with individuals who let the Holy Spirit fill them to do extraordinary things. And a people who do extraordinary will make a church that moves. A church that's committed to the Bible, to fellowship, to remembering the death of Christ and the power of the resurrection, and to prayer. And when that happens, barriers are broken, communities are formed, opposites are reconciled, unity is established, disease is cured, addiction is broken, cities are renewed, hope is established, people are blessed, And church happens. So in the light of this, discouraged folks, cheer up. Dishonest folks, fess up. Sour folks, sweeten up. Closed folks, open up. Gossipers, hush up. Conflicted folks, make up. Sleeping folks, wake up. Lukewarm folks, fire up. Dry bones shake up, and pew potatoes stand up. I don't know about you, but I believe it's time we walk in the extraordinary instead of the ordinary. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can get together and worship. We give all praise and glory to your name. 
thanking you for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Redeemer. Let us go from this place today knowing that we can be extraordinary. We are, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, there's nothing that we can't do. Let us all have a good weekend, safe travels from this place, and let's enjoy the sunshine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.